Welcome to episode number 31 of the Raw Food Podcast. I am your host, Laura Jane, the Raw Tarian, and in this episode, we're going to be talking all about merging your raw food tendencies with traveling. Summer is always an issue, or Christmas traveling, or whenever you do your traveling. If you're a high raw vegan, it can be difficult. So in this episode, we're going to be talking all about that. So stay tuned, and I'll be back with you shortly. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Raw Food Podcast. I was not planning on recording a podcast today, but sometimes that inspiration hits and you just got to do it. So as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking about traveling in the raw. I wish I could tell you that it was because I was going to Hawaii and I needed to talk about it, but sadly that is not true. Uh, I was just interacting on Twitter with one G33K girl who we were just tweeting back and forth forth, and she was telling me she was traveling and did I have any tips because she was stressing out about it because she's a high raw vegan, I assume. And yeah, and I found myself tweeting, you're only supposed to do, what is it, 148 characters and I just kept tweeting at her all my tips and it was too much and then I felt this, this enthusiasm for telling you my tips here today. So really the main lens that we're going to be looking about this looking at this subject today is really talking about different types of travel because of course if you're going overnight somewhere it's very different than if you have to stay in a hotel for two weeks or staying with friends and family and that sort of thing so we're going to look at basically four different types of travel one is just the really short trip where you're going just for a couple of days maybe going out of town to go see a concert or go visit somebody so short trips. We're also going to talk about staying with friends and family. We're also going to talk about longer term trips. So maybe let's say your house is getting renovated and you're going to move into a cottage for a few weeks or things like that. So that's more long-term travel. And then of course there's cruises and all-inclusives and that kind of travel as well, which sadly I'm not an expert in, but maybe one day I will be. So these are really the topics that we're going to talk about today. And I think we're just going to really dive in with some of my main tips for going. First, we're going to talk about the short trip. So let's say the type of travel that I do quite frequently is just regional travel. So even in the car, let's even use a specific example. So let's say one of the types of travels that I do is I live in a small place in Canada and sometimes we will travel, we'll either take a ferry or drive for five or six hours and we'll get to a bigger city and we'll stay in a hotel for a weekend. And usually that's to go to different restaurants and maybe go see a musical show or something like that. So when I am traveling like that, you would maybe think I'm the Rotarian, you know, I'm going to bring my blender and my food processor in my hotel and I'm going to be cooking up all these amazing things when I'm traveling like that. And for me, that is not really how I want to spend my time when I'm in a new city or even if you're traveling for short travel, maybe not even for a happy reason. Maybe you're visiting a sick relative or, you know, even attending a funeral. These are all really reasonable reasons why we might be traveling. And usually we don't want to be just cooking all kinds of things in our hotel room. So for me, when I do a regional travel trip, 
even if I'm just taking my own car, I do not bother bringing any equipment with me. Now, sometimes I have regretted this because I'm like, oh man, I don't know what to eat. But basically, here's what I do. And I'll just share my main couple of tips here with you. Number one, we get into town, we check into our hotel, we find out where the closest grocery store is. And usually it's pretty close. So that could mean transit or you're driving or sometimes even walking there. Because really finding a raw restaurant, if there is one, it's golden and just go there and eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But that's not always possible. So rather than trying to find a raw restaurant, if you can't find one, your next easiest source of good, delicious, tasty, affordable food is your grocery store. So definitely my main source of food for a short regional trip is the grocery store. And that would be, I'm not going to be like cooking up a crazy thing, but for me, I love fresh fruit. So if I'm on holiday, I would definitely will buy way more fresh fruit than I normally budget or allow myself at home. So that'll be tons of grapes or peaches, or blueberries, things that are in season. Even just a big sack of apples is very handy when you're traveling. Sometimes, you know, you might go back to your hotel room and just need a little snack. So just having those basics and similar with vegetables, you know, a big sack of, I don't normally eat those baby carrots, but just those convenience foods that are easy. Um, and so those are very handy as well. But that, of course, gets rather repetitive. Great for snacks, but if you're going to be trying to eat a meal that way, it's, I'm not a huge mono eater, so I don't just eat like 20 bananas like some people do. So what I definitely do when I'm traveling, that type of regional travel is... A, I always just bring a stash. I don't even make it complicated. I just bring like a huge vat of almonds or walnuts or whatever I have, just so I have that handy. And another thing I love to do as well is if I know I'm going on a trip, I will make a bunch of crackers. I'm not going to make anything too complicated to bring like raw pizza or anything like that. For me, I just love to have a Tupperware of raw crackers. So then that makes a very easy meal. I can have you know, a few crackers and then some tomatoes and avocado or whatever, like even if it's just carrot sticks to eat on the go with the crackers, the crackers really balance it out. Because if you don't bring anything like that, there's nothing hearty and satiating to help you feel like you've had an actual savory meal. So that is really a huge tip I can just leave you with is that bringing crackers or something is very handy. And I wouldn't even go for like veggie burger patties. The nice thing about crackers is usually you don't even have to refrigerate them if you're going for a short period of time. So those are awesome. Now, there was something I was going to add to that. And I'm not sure what it was. But I think we'll just move on from that. So that's that short regional travel. Oh, I knew it would come to me and it did. So we didn't really discuss breakfast though. And when I'm at home, I tend to vacillate or uh, go between green smoothies in the morning or the Rotarian's raw breakfast bowl which is sort of like a cereal mixture which you may have had and you can get at the Rotarian.com for that recipe for, for free but yes so when I am on the road traveling I don't try to make a smoothie in my hotel room that's too crazy some people could but on a short regional trip I would not bother to do that what I would tend to do 
is you can do the Rotarian's Raw Breakfast Bowl, which is sort of like nuts and raisins and buckwheat groats and a chopped up apple. And I usually would have that at home with almond milk or some sort of nut milk, but you can easily do it just with water. So that is a very easy breakfast to just bring, you know, a little melange, a mixture of your Rotarian's Raw Breakfast Bowl cereal, for lack of a better better word and then you can just chop up an apple throw that in a bowl if make sure you bring one if you don't have one in your hotel or usually they if it's a good hotel they can probably provide you with something like that and then you could just use water instead of nut milk and that it's not as exciting but it will do for your breakfast and then of course you can supplement that with fruit and depending on the grocery store as well you might be able to get some pre-made juices or smoothies or fresh things like that so yeah so that is sort of the regional travel idea so let's leave that for now so that's just the short trip that's number one now the next topic that I thought I would talk about was staying with friends or family so that is a whole nother complicated beast and I do have a podcast let me think I believe it is episode number nine which is basically about motivation and how to deal with unsupportive friends and family. And that is a very good episode that goes into the deep details of the emotional reasons why things like this are so complicated. But keeping it on a surface level here today within the context of traveling, of course, if you're going to stay with a friend, A, You want to let them know about your needs in advance and you don't have to overwhelm them with information and you may want to let them know that you are not expecting them to cook food for you or or whatever but you just want to let them know about your sort of your eating needs and frequently that can just include some basic questions too you can ask them do they have a blender do they have a food processor what's this arrangement like so One thing, I think I've always been the type of person that finds it hard to accept generosity or I don't like to inconvenience people. So even when I'm staying with, for example, a good friend or my sisters, one of my sisters, I usually will be like, can you take me to the grocery store and I'll get a bunch of stuff so I can feel like I have my huge vat of apples and my food so that I don't feel like I'm eating too much of their food but that might be more of my neuroses than anything else but it is good to feel like you have your own stash so that you can eat what you need to eat and I think for me too I would find it if if I put the shoe on the other foot so to speak it would be helpful if a guest was coming to me who had a special need that if they had their own stuff it would kind of make me feel more confident as a host too to know that they feel like they have what they need so that is a good idea and yeah I just definitely recommend talking a little bit in advance just about the basics like what equipment do they have how is that going to work just to talk about those things in advance and of course if you're just there for a really short time it's not as big of a deal but um, you do want to talk about it because it's nothing worse than arriving we'll talk about both perspectives if you just arrive somewhere and they're like we just made this feast of chicken parmesan for you and then there's that terrible moment where you sort of have to reject their food which they sort of take as a rejection of themselves and their way of eating and it's just a bad scene 
And or else the other side of it is maybe you you're not. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But, you know, maybe you were would be feeling like you should eat their food, but you don't want to. And it's this whole conflicted thing. So just clarity and honesty up front could still be awkward, but it's way easier to have those awkward discussions in advance and have a little bit of a plan. And I think for both sides, they appreciate it because it's also awkward to be a host and sudden and think you have everything planned out and then suddenly realize that you do not. So that is just a little bit about that. To go more about the emotional sides of that, you should definitely listen to episode number nine. And of course, you can get all of these podcasts for free in iTunes, which you may have found it already. Or if you go to therawtarian.com slash podcasts, you can get all the MP3s there as well, whatever is easier for you. So let's leave that topic, the whole friend scene for, let's leave that one. (laughs) Now, number three here, we have the concept of staying for a longer term. Let's say you were staying in a hotel for a week that had a little kitchen unit, for example, or even if it didn't, or yeah, I think one week in one place, that's different. For me, if I was able to drive somewhere and we were going to stay there for a week, a week is a long time. That's, oh gosh, I'm terrible at math. It's seven times three for meals. I think that's 21. So that's a lot. And of course, eating out at a beautiful, delicious, raw restaurant is awesome. But even if you have one close, that, as you know, will add up financially. So again, I think what I would say here is I would probably do most of the things that I do with the short trip thing in advance. So I would still, of course, you know, go to the grocery store, get a bunch of easy to eat snacks, particularly for me, nice treat like fresh fruit, because that's something I, I don't allow myself to spend a lot of money on at home. So that would be a nice treat and something easy to consume. But if I could, I would bring either a range to have a blender. It's funny because at home, I almost think I use my food processor more than my blender because I make a lot of savory or sweet things in my food processor. But I think if I was going somewhere for a week, I wouldn't be like making cheesecakes and cookies and all kinds of things. I would probably just want my blender so I could make soups and smoothies and that kind of thing because they're so quick and easy and also you don't want to be probably somewhere else um, having to wash too many dishes so for me if I could only bring one piece of equipment I would consider bringing none and none is fine and you would just bring crackers and go to the grocery store and eat out Um, but yeah if I could only bring one I would bring the blender now if you do have a high-speed commercial blender like I do. I have a Vitamix. Um, if, you, if you don't think it's that big until you try to put it in a suitcase and you're like, oh my lord, this thing is huge. So that is something to keep in mind. So if you're driving in a car, not a big deal. But if you are traveling in the on a flight, it's kind of crazy. So one thing you might consider is just grinning and bearing it. And if you have a cheaper blender, like a, um, what are, what's the name of those, those little blenders that I've never even had one, but sometimes people have those tiny blenders that might be a good option as a little travel blender. And I don't know why 
Is it the Ninja? I don't know. I need to get one of those. Um, but yes, a little blender might be good because unless again, okay, so we're talking long-term travel here for say a week, but if I was going to go somewhere for a month or something, do a house exchange or something fun like that, I would look at things differently. But for this, I would probably just bring, bring a blender and your awesome blender is huge. So that might be inconvenient. So maybe getting a little cheapy blender would be a good idea. And again, perhaps you could even buy one, a crappy blender, wherever you're getting, and then you don't have to ship it. So yes. So now the last topic, <laughs> I think it's quite hilarious and cute that I added this topic to the end of this because I have never been on a cruise and I have never been to an all-inclusive place where they give you all kinds of food and beverages for free or as part of your, your feet. But I do know I live in Canada where it's very snowy six months of the year, apparently. And um, a lot of people that I know are always going to Cuba or the Dominican or all kinds of places to all-inclusives, which you can get for great prices. And I have wanted to do this, especially because I love to swim and I've never swum in the beautiful tropical ocean and I've always looked at them and then I think oh yeah and then I think oh what would I eat and then I'm like trying to find information about the all-inclusives and what they provide I don't know I'm rambling but I would say that from my perspective I'm the type of person that does not like to do a lot of research but if you're a high raw type person you are absolutely going to want to do more research about an all-inclusive that you stay in. And I won't go into great detail about this, but I have heard different things. D of course, depends where you're going. So if someplace that has readily available tons of, of tropical fruit, you might have a much better chance of doing that. I have heard that Cuba is quite bad for, it's a great place to visit, but for the food at all-inclusives, there's not a lot of fresh produce there. That was one of the things I researched when I thought I really wanted to go on an all-inclusive. But yes, so I would say that is a whole nother can of worms and you're on your own with that. But I, I do know that there is such a thing as a vegan cruise. And apparently there's one, I forget when it is, you could Google it, but going out of Miami or something in um, October, there's a ve an all vegan cruise. So it's not all raw, but it is all vegan. And that would be fun. I... I emailed them and I was like, would you like me to come speak? I'm the Rotarian. And they wrote back, no. <laughs> and I was like, darn, because I would really love to go on that vegan cruise. At any rate, there was one other thing that I thought that I should really talk about. Because we did, we talked about short trips. We talked about staying with a friend. We talked about medium length term traveling. And then we rambled on about how I have never been on a cruise. And there really was something else, but it is escaping me here. So I think overall, though, I think let me give you now my general tips about this. Oh, yeah, maybe I think the thing I was going to talk about was ordering food at a restaurant. So here are a couple of things, my tips of how to talk to waiters and waitresses in a more comfortable way. So for me, I find I've gotten much better reception when I'm at, let's say I'm on a, on a trip and I don't really know this restaurant and I want to find out a bit more about what is in the food. So sometimes if you say, 
Hello, waiter, I'm a raw vegan, and I just do not eat any animal products. They're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> They're not that into helping you because it's sort of like a big complicated thing. But I find if I position it, and this might sound like a bit of a fib, but I'm really just trying to help you and help everyone get the best service at this restaurant. So instead of making a big ordeal about how I choose to eat all these things, I don't say that I'm deathly ill <laughs> and allergic to things, but I will say, you know, I have some weird sort of food allergies or, food, you know, kind of, you don't need, I wouldn't say lie hugely, but sort of position the tone of it is that you don't want to be a trouble but there's certain things you can't eat as opposed to won't eat if you say well you know i can't eat well yeah i can't eat chicken so is there anything else you know you could put on the salad like do you have any tofu or whatever the need is that you want to ask for so as i find sometimes if you say can't it goes over better than won't like, I refuse to eat this. It's just, it's a it's a very subtle linguistic difference, but I've found that's what I've started to do and I've gotten better service and I find they sort of pay more attention when you're sort of putting it through that lens. I hope that makes sense. But don't lie, but just, you know, it's all about framing it in a way that works. Now, I do find that eating out at restaurants in many ways can be much less exciting than eating at home. Of course, a raw restaurant or a vegan restaurant or some amazing restaurant that specializes in great, fast, fresh food is amazing. But if you're at a sort of mom and pop diner that serves fish and chips, the only thing you're going to get is an iceberg salad with some really sad tomatoes and some really floppy cucumbers, if you're lucky. So Another trick on that front is if you are somewhere that has really bad food choices, <laughs> like the latter, uh, just having some things in your bag doesn't have to be complicated, like just some almonds that you can throw on your salad or just little things like that that you could keep or some hemp seed hearts, little individual Ziplocs, something that you just throw in your purse. That can make a really boring salad into a slightly, slightly less boring salad and have more protein and like more substance to actually fill you up. So when you're eating out at a restaurant, those are just a couple of little tips. And I also find it sad too that sometimes I love dessert. You guys, you know me. I have to have dessert. And I often find it's kind of sad that I sometimes will just, even if they have a really nice main salad or something that I could get that's delicious and wonderful, usually they don't really offer. And I can understand why from a restaurant's point of view, it's hard to keep fresh fruit there, but um, I often want to just have some really nice fresh fruit for dessert. And I'm like, do you have anything in the kitchen? And they're kind of like, no. <laughs> um, so I find just having stuff with me, like if I know I'm going out for like dinner and something, I might just bring some something fun, even mulberries, dried mulberries or something in my purse so that I feel like I can have a dessert on the go and it's easy to keep with me. So I think all of this really comes down to preparedness, but also um, not trying to make things too complicated. Again, when you're traveling, you just want to enjoy yourself and get to see all the sights. You don't want to make it too complicated. And of course, have I done a big episode? Yes, let me think. Can you tell that I now have a nice list of all my podcast episodes? I made an Excel spreadsheet and put all the titles and numbers here. 
So what am I trying to tell you about? There's a podcast I'm trying to reference. I'm looking at my spreadsheet. Episode 8, Finding Balance, Vegetarian, Vegan, Raw. Episode 8, download it now. Um, that episode talks a lot about, do you have to be raw? Do you have to be vegan? Do you have to be vegetarian? Where do you fall on the spectrum? Where do you want to be? I'm sure you have heard my story in too much detail. You don't even want to hear it again, so I won't go into it. But, okay, wait, let me look at my spreadsheet. Episode 24, download it now. How raw food changed my life. That is the detail or an episode where I go into great detail about my story. But in short, you know, I went raw, 100% raw in August 2009. And... It's been an amazing journey for me. It transformed my life. And I was like militant, 100% raw, probably for the first three and a half years. It's probably been, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm bad at math. Four, I think it's been closer to five years maybe now. And I'm starting to just relax a little bit. Like if I'm somewhere having tea with an old lady and she's like, would you like to have this tea? And I'm like, that's not raw. I just try to be calm. But for me, everybody has their boundaries. So for me, I'm never going to eat a Dorito ever. But, you know, if someone is like, I made this this salad and it has, it's all raw, but there's some cooked quinoa in there, I may have that salad. So I think, but for me, going through that rigid process was very important to me and I know it's not like not everybody needs to go through that but for me it was extremely important for me and it's just the way I wanted to do it and the way I did it but now I'm coming out of that mostly because when it just comes to those to other people I think it's really hard to reject something I mean basically I'm still rejecting 95% of what normal people eat but when there's those things on the cusp I think for me, I'm at that point where I'm okay with it. So, and the reason I bring this up is because when you're at a restaurant, it's all about finding out those, drawing those lines in the sand that you know where your line is. So for me, if I'm at a restaurant and they're having, I can order a really big salad with sprouts and all these amazing things on it. And there's a dressing that it comes with that may have some thing that's not raw on it, but it's like some sort of vinaigrette. For me, In the old days, I'd be like, no, get that dressing away from me. But now I'm like, whatever, I'll have this dressing. And I'm okay with it because I'm at that place where I know where my line is. I am not going to have a Doritos binge. Where for a long time, I was afraid that if I crossed any kind of teeny tiny line, it would be the end. So for me, it's that's where my lines are. And when you're on holiday, I think you can expand your lines a little bit, but it you don't want to get into that back and forth craziness of like when you're on holiday you can do whatever you want and then when you're at home you're I think it's it's not good to go from these extremes like the thing that makes me sad is when I hear some people who might have like and if it works for you I'm okay with it but for me it wouldn't work so to be like I'm raw six days a week and then on Sunday I eat all Doritos and all steak and until I fall asleep in like a fugue on the floor because I'm so full because that's so hard on your body and it undermines also the things you know me with my retraining my taste buds 
idea. So this podcast is getting crazy. But I feel that when you are traveling, there are all, all of these considerations. So you don't, I would say you don't want to go way off. But if your line in the sand is like at a level three, maybe when you're holiday, you know, you can go up to a 3.5 or whatever you want to do. But I don't recommend going up to a 10. That's not good. <laughs> and I think, but you do have to know yourself. But for me, that just wouldn't work. I have never done it that way. and I couldn't. So this has been episode 31 of the Raw Food Podcast. I hope it has been of use to you. And again, G33K girl on Twitter, thank you for your question. And this is kind of fun. I should do more like question and answer periods on the podcast. That would be very fun. So of course, I am Laura Jane, the Rawtarian from therawtarian.com. One little favor I might ask of you is I have really no idea about how many people are listening to this podcast. Um, I would very much appreciate it if you could take a couple of minutes in iTunes, if you could leave a review for this podcast, that would be awesome. And just, uh, you know, an honest review about what you think about this podcast. And because I, th the reason I'm asking you to do that is it definitely helps if you leave a review to move the raw food podcast up in the rankings and i think we're sort of non-existent in the rankings as far as i know but yes if you are enjoying this it would just take a couple of minutes and if you could i would really appreciate it so um and if you do leave a review you could email me if you like and let me know and then i'll send you one of my ebooks or something to thank you so um my email is lj at the rawtarian.com but in short i hope this episode about traveling and raw food has been helpful for you. As always, I really appreciate you being here with me and you know that it is you that I do this for and it is um, an honor to be part of your journey and I thank you for being here with me. So without further ado, enjoy your raw adventure! You have been listening to the Raw Food Podcast with your host, The Raw Tarian. Be sure to visit me at therawtarian.com where you can browse over 100 of my absolute favorite simple, satisfying, raw vegan recipes that you'll find pretty quick to make and with just a few ingredients and that taste amazing. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. And once you've signed up for that, you'll automatically get a PDF copy of 11 of my most favorite, most satisfying, most delicious recipes, including raw vegan alfredo sauce, raw brownies, and a whole host of other delicious recipes that you can make at home that are raw and taste amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to hear from you very soon. And until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.